build on um, what I shared two weeks ago. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I shared on greater, um, how to get, get into greater things that God has for us. And I mentioned three things, and just wondering if you remember what they were. The first one was to do with capacity. Yes, thank you, Phil. Capacity. And the second one had to do with desire for presence of God, presence and the power of God. And the third one was something else. And I said, getting serious. Amen. A few people still remember. That's good. Well, I'll just reiterate that. The first one was capacity. I said, if you want a greater capacity, and I brought an example of the Warragamba Dam. Uh, when it pours with rain and it fills up, it's got a certain capacity. Uh, if it continues to rain, when it's full, what happens with the rain, with the water? It actually overflows on the spillway and it goes, in a sense, it goes to waste. It just goes down the river. Um, if they want to get a greater capacity of the Warragamba Dam, they actually need to raise the dam wall. Um, in our own life, we want to get a greater capacity. In other words, if you have a greater capacity, you can do more. And the only way you can do more is by decluttering your life. Have a look at your life and say, I'm doing, I'm so involved in so many things that aren't really helping me in any way. And so I need to declutter. If you want a bigger house, I mean, most of us, what we do is like, we go and look for a new, a new one to get a bigger one. But most experts tell us, if you want a bigger house, without costing you more money, the first thing you should do is declutter your house. How many people have a cluttered home? I've got a cluttered garage. You go in there and there's all sorts of things in my garage. And uh, I could say, well, let's build another garage next door. But probably the easiest thing to do is declutter my garage. Get rid of all the things that I'm not using or aren't useful anymore. So in our own life, we need to declutter if we want to increase our capacity. And I said uh, the second thing was to, to get a greater desire for the things of God. And I spoke about Moses. Moses got to a stage where he said, God, I'm not so much interested in extra blessings that you're going to take us into the promised land. I don't really want to move from this place unless I know that your presence is with me. And, uh, and, and I'm encouraging the church. You know, we don't want to just do stuff out of routine. We come to church out of routine. We worship out of routine. We read our Bible out of routine. We want to have a sense of urgency, a desire and a hunger in our spirit to be Get closer to God. And the Word of God says, those that get close to Him, He will get close to them. You know, seek me and you shall find me. Amen. The trouble is we're seeking everything else but the presence of God. And then we want to know, where is God? I want to encourage you this year. Do whatever you can within your power and abilities to continue to seek the things of God. And the last one I shared was get, getting serious. You know, um, we need to understand that what we do here on a Sunday morning is about heaven and hell. It's about eternity. Eternity won or eternity lost. That's what it's about. When we talk about church and the kingdom of God, we're not talking about, oh, just they just want some things to put into our life so that we can be busy so that we don't get into trouble. It's got nothing to do with that. It's got to do with heaven and hell. It's got to do with the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. And they're at war with each other. And we need to have spiritual sight to be able to understand that, that uh, there is a battle going on. And uh, we're getting serious. I believe with all my heart that we're in the end times. I believe that with all my heart that we're in the last days. I believe with all my heart that the faith of many is growing cold. The Word of God says that in the last day, the faith of many will grow cold. In other words, their faith and the reliance on God and the dependence of God and the reality of God is, is diminished and they're sort of so busy and caught up with the secular world that they forget to understand there's a God who created heaven and hell. And one day we're going to pass by this life and go into eternity. And we can either be eternally found or eternally lost. So eternally lost. So we need to understand, let's get serious. Amen. When we come to church, get serious with our worship. Amen. We shouldn't have the warm-up warm song. We shouldn't have the pastors just warming us up right now. We should come already prepared on the front foot, serious for the things of God. Amen. So when we talk about a vision day or a prayer night, let's get serious. Oh, that's for somebody. No, it's not. 
I'm part of this family. I'm going to be involved. Amen. Let's get serious. That's what it means to get serious. So when we talk about our offering, it's not like I'll throw a couple of coins in there. Get serious about your giving. How do you get serious about it? Pray about it. Prepare. Come prepared. And give according to what God has placed in your heart. That's getting serious. It's not like, oh, should I go to church today or not? Should I sing this morning or not? Should I, should I give an offering or not? Let me see what's in my... No, getting serious means... I am going to church on Sunday. I already know on Monday where I'm going to be on Sunday. Some people wonder for the whole week, will I go to church on Sunday? Shouldn't come in the Christian's equation because serious Christians say, I will not miss the house of God. And I suppose I'm saying it to the wrong people because you're here. If you see who's not here this morning, say, Pastor Murray was talking about you on Sunday. Amen. When we come to the house of God, we come serious to worship God. And you see me, I, I've been singing in church all my life. I don't get tired of worshiping God. I don't sit there, well, I've done this before. I've raised my hands before, so I'm just going to give it a break. Let someone else have an opportunity. No, no, I come front-footed from the very first song. I want to worship God with my out-of-tune voice and my beat that I can't keep, it doesn't matter. I'm going to sing and worship God because I'm serious about this. What we do is serious. So it's time for us to get serious. Amen. We've got to get serious. Now, here's some things I want to add on. That was the introduction. Amen. First thing, stay connected. Stay connected. How many people love dropouts on their phone? How many people get frustrated when I'm at Michael's house and half the time I can never get a connection on my phone? I mean, he doesn't live too far away, but somehow there's a bit of a dead spot there and you've got to go to a particular place in the house to get a connection and it's frustrating. And then you start talking and you get carried away and you start moving and all of a sudden you can't hear him anymore. It's frustrating. I'm on Vodafone. That can be frustrating sometimes. Amen. We want to stay connected. Well, as Christians, we need to understand the importance of being connected. Amen. So firstly, connection with who? Well, the first thing, connected with Jesus. We need to stay connected to Jesus. And I have a scripture for you down in John 15, New Living Translation, verse 1. Jesus, the true vine. I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit so that they will produce even more. That do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We can do nothing apart from Jesus. We can do nothing apart from Jesus. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Again, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you might ask anything you want, and it'll be granted. Have you wondered why some of our prayers aren't being answered? Have you wondered why some of our prayers aren't being answered? Because we're not remaining in Jesus at all. We only run to Him when we have a need. The key to have a successful, prosperous life is to remain in Jesus. The key to have our prayers answered is remaining in Jesus. When you produce much fruit, here we go, you are my true disciples. This brings great joy to my Father. The key in remaining connected with Jesus is this. Jesus said, if you remain. So the question is on us. The choice is yours. Do you want to remain in Jesus? And then response to that, you remain in me, I will remain in them. So when we make a choice to remain in Jesus, to be connected to Jesus, He stays with us. Amen. 
And then what? Then you will produce much fruit. See, uh, friends, I want you to understand this. Fruitfulness is not, a, uh, you know, a, 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 a successful Christian life or a vibrant Christian life. It's not one that's reflected just by coming to church on Sunday. But fruitfulness. What is the fruit of our life? What fruitfulness we, do we have? Jesus said, fruitfulness is an outward sign that we're disciples of Jesus. See, there's people that say they follow Jesus, and they've got all the arguments of the Son. They've got all their theology packed. They can quote all the Scripture, but there's no fruit to their life. That's not a sign of discipleship. Jesus said the true sign of discipleship is fruitfulness. Amen. How many people love fruit trees? Yeah, we love fruit trees. I do. I don't know about you, but I love fruit trees. And I, when I go to my mum's house in Adelaide, she's got, she's got a fig tree. The first thing I do is go looking for figs. Amen. I, I, if the fig tree, there's no figs on the tree, I go, you might as well cut it down. If it's time for figs and it's got no figs, cut that thing down because it's just taking up space. Fruitfulness. Vine and branches are a great example of what it means to remain or stay connected to Jesus. It doesn't mean that we're stuck to Jesus. You know, you've got a bit of sticky tape, and we stick ourselves to Jesus. That's not remaining. It doesn't mean that we've got, years ago in the 70s, we had these little, little badges that we used to carry. They were pretty corny now, thinking about it, you know. A little badge with Jesus on there. And Jesus was written in the, in the, um, in the form of a fish. Jesus, I love Jesus, and we used to carry that. That's not remaining in Jesus. It's not having Jesus loves you stuck on the back of our car. That's not remaining in Jesus. Uh, it's not just resting on the vine. I mean, you can get a branch and rest it on a vine. That's not going to bring any life. It's not just resting on Jesus. It doesn't mean that you carry, you know, I've got some of the vine and I put it in my pocket. That's not going to bring any fruit. We've got a little bit of Jesus that we carry with us. No, it says remaining. See, for a vine branch to get life from the vine, it's got to be grafted into the vine. And I know that most of you have no idea what does it mean to be grafted. I remember a young boy watching my grandfather grafting various trees and grafting various vine branches into a vine. Now, if you don't know anything about this, I've got some pictures this morning. Hopefully there's... Okay, can we have the other one where that's, it's cut? Okay, so to be grafted into a tree, and this is not a vine tree, but it's a tree, right? So what happens is that the, the actual tree uh, trunk gets cut, and there's a slit made, and that branch from another tree, my grandfather used to love doing this, he would have one type of fig tree, and he'll cut off a section of the tree, one, one of the main branches, he'll cut it off, and he'll bring a little branch from another vine, another fig that was a different type, a different species, and he would graft it, he would cut it off, and he would put it like that. And can we look at the other one now? He would tape it up. See, it's been taped up. He'd, sometimes he'd put some, uh, some stuff around it to sort of uh, pro promote some uh, healing to it. And then what happens, the, the actual life in the main tree begins to flow into that branch that's been grafted into the main tree. What type of fruit does that branch bring? It brings its own type of fruit. So you can have a vine that carries two or three different types of fruit based on the branches that were grafted into that vine. So you've got one vine, right? That's the main, let's say that's the main body of the tree. And then you've got all the branches that come off. Can I ask you the question, if you know, answer. What brings fruit, the actual vine or the branches? The branches bring the fruit. They come on the, they come on the branches, not on the actual trunk. If you go and look at a vine, right, there's no, there's no fruit on the bottom of the vine. There's always fruit on the branches that come out. For a vine branch to get life from the vine, it's got to be grafted into the vine. You can't get that branch and rest it up on the vine and say, oh, well, it's, it's close enough. It's sort of connected. It's like we, we're all sort of connected to everyone around the world. Is that true? With our, with our phones, we're sort of connected. That's not real connection with Jesus. 
with real connection with Jesus and remaining in Him means that we're grafted into Him. An incision is made in the vine and the branch is cut to fit the incision. Then the branch and the vine are strapped together and then the life begins to flow from the vine into the branches. It's only when we're grafted into Jesus that His life-giving flow begins to come into us, amen, into our spirit, into our life. And guess what? We bring fruitfulness. That's what it means to remain connected. It's only when we're connected to the vine that you receive life. It's only when we're connected to the vine that we bring fruit. When we cut ourselves off from Jesus, what happens? We begin to die. See, so many Christians are walking around and they claim that they are Christians, but they've cut off from Jesus. In other words, they're no longer grafted into Jesus and relying on the life that Jesus brings and the change that Jesus brings and the spirit that Jesus puts into us because they've disconnected themselves from Him. When we cut off from Jesus, we die. When we cut off from Jesus, we begin to wither and all chance of fruitfulness dies as well. Have you ever been with a, with a, a person who claims to be a Christian, knows a lot of stuff about a lot of stuff, but you, you feel that there's something withered inside of their spirit? I want to be with Christians who are alive. I want to be with, with Christians who are fruitful, amen, are bringing forth fruit. Why? Not because we're any special, but because the life of Jesus is flowing in us. Now, I hope you want to be fruitful as well. It's His sap that must flow in us for order for us to be healthy. It's the life that Jesus gives that needs to flow into our spirit, into our heart, into our soul. That's what brings life. Staying connected to Jesus will ensure that his life flows into us. Staying connected to Jesus will ensure that we will bring forth much fruit. And the question that I have to all of us this morning, starting from me, if the true test of staying connected to Jesus, in other words, how do I know that you're connected to Jesus? How do I know that you're grafted in Jesus? Well, it's simple. How do I know it's a fig tree? I go looking and it should have some figs on it. Amen. How do I know it's a, it's a vine that brings sultana grapes? Well, when I go looking through the leaves and looking at the branches, guess what? I see the sultana grape. If I look at the vine, I've got no un- understanding unless you're an expert of what sort of fruit that is. But you look for the fruit and go, oh, it's a sultana. It's a merlot. Amen. How do we know if, if the true test of staying connected to Jesus bearing much fruit, how much fruit then are you bearing? It's got quiet. It's really, really quiet. How much fruit are we bearing? And my prayer, my prayer is that we all bear fruit. Amen. You are not to look at the fruit I'm bearing and say, well, it's not like mine. It doesn't qualify. Each one of us, we're special branches. And there's all types of fruit that God's looking for. Amen. It doesn't look like one thing or another. But we know when we're being fruitful. Amen. How much fruit are we bearing? Good question. First thing, stay connected to Jesus. The second thing. Stay connected to the church family. Amen. Stay connected to the church family. And this year, make a decision. I'm going to stay more connected to Jesus than ever before. Why? Because I want to remain in Him. Why? Because I want Him to remain in me. Why? Because I want to see fruitfulness. And I want to stay connected to the church family. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to 27. New Living Translation says, One body with many parts. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, some of us are free. free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, That does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, uh, what uh, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if I only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. 
The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with greatest care. So we we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that each uh, such that extra honor and care are given to those parts and have less that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it, and if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you Together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. Pretty clear. Romans 12, 3. Because of the privilege and the authority of God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. I love how Paul writes this. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Just As our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. Amen. This is where it comes. When we do things in our church, we're going to do things well, excellent. It's not just Pastor Mario's idea. Biblical principle. Serve well. When you're on a roster, serve well. When you sing, serve well. When you provide food, serve well. Whatever we do, serve well. If your gift is to encourage others, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. It would be terrible if you, my gift is encouraging, and the best thing I do is bring people down. Maybe you just need to check what your gift is. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility, here's that word, seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Well, what I'm trying to bring out is this. We belong to each other. Church is not made up of a whole stack of individuals that do their own thing, come and go as they please. No, we're connected to each other. We belong to each other. Amen. If I went home and my wife wasn't home and she didn't tell me where she had gone, I'd start questioning. I'd say, like, are we married? Or she's doing her thing? I'm doing mine. I, I just go out. I don't tell her where I'm going or what's happening. She would begin to think, are we married? If we say we are family and part of the body of Christ Jesus, we need to understand that we belong to each other. So what I do, guess what, affects you. What you do affects me. We affect each other. So we need to be understanding of that. We're here to help each other because we belong to each other. We were created to be in community. That's why so many people spend so much time on Facebook. They try to substitute the desire to want to be connected with other people, to want to know people intimately well. Guess what? There's about 150 people that call this church their home that you can connect really well with them. Probably not on Facebook, but face to face. Be connect. We've been created to be in community. And I want to tell you, we live better lives when we are in community. I mean, if you go to a, let's say you, you go to a beautiful destination. We were in some beautiful places last year. And we, we, we're on the Amalfi Coast. I don't want to make you jealous, but we're on the Amalfi Coast, right? At Positano. You're getting jealous? And there's all this food everywhere. And so there's everything I want to eat, especially when you're hungry right now. You just want to eat everything you see. And, and everything's nice. And the sky's blue. And the, and the water's blue. And there's all these boats coming in and out. And there's me and my wife there. And we, we're enjoying it. And we go like, oh, there's a desire. I wish our children could be here. So next year, they're going to pay for us to go. And we're all going to go together. You want to share those good experiences. Imagine just going somewhere really nice and you're on your own. 
is like, it's empty. There's an empty feeling. Imagine you see an incredible sunrise and you're on your own. As beautiful as it is, you go, I want to share this with everybody. That's why we take a picture and we upload it so everyone can see it. Church is like that. We want to do life. We want to do it together. It's much better when we do it together. Why? Because the Word of God says, when you have a win, guess what? We're going to celebrate with you. When things aren't going too well and you're going through a tough time, guess what? We're going to be there with you to help you through. We belong to each other. For the church to function to its fullest capacity and fulfill its God-given potential, we need to understand that we need each other. Some people just come to church when they need church. No, you got the whole concept wrong. It's about, yes, come, but get connected and say, I belong in this place. I belong to you. Some people think they belong to me. You don't belong to me. We belong to each other. You don't come to church because you're trying to make Pastor Mario happy. No, you're fulfilling what God has called you to do is to be connected to Jesus Christ and to be connected to the church, which is the body of Jesus Christ. Be connected. It's like a healthy body, a body that's healthy with all its various parts function efficiently and in unity. When the cells begin to fight each other, guess what happens? The body begins to break down, leads to death. It's called cancer. When one cell, rogue cell, starts fighting all the other cells and start to overtake, guess what? It kills the body when it's fighting each other. But when it's all functioning well, guess what? That person is able to fulfill everything he's been called to do. And the church is just the same. When limbs are paralyzed and incapacitated, the body is disabled in some way. Can no longer do what it's meant to do. Why cannot, why is it that we can't do all that God has called us to do? I'll tell you why. Because not everybody feels that they belong to this body. They'll come, they'll take, and they'll go. But you need to be a sense of belonging to this body. Because it's, hey, there's some things that God has called us to do as a church that can't get done unless we're working together in unity, belonging to each other. Is the message getting through? We've been called to be part of the family of God that is expressed and seen by being part of His church. Because some people say, oh, I'm part of the family of God. What church do you belong to? Oh, I'm just not really belonging to any church. When was the last time you actually belonged to a church? Oh, I, I did once upon a time, no longer now. Because someone in the church hurt me. Well, I, I want to say, hey, um, has some family member hurt you? Yeah? They, they, family members always hurt us. Do we go looking for a new family? What do we do? Go, oh, I'm not staying in this family again. They didn't like my food that I cooked the other night. They hurt me. You know how much love I put into that thing? And they hurt me. And I, I, that's it. I'm not cooking here. I'm going somewhere else. We say, oh, well, we'll get over it. Probably wasn't a nice thing, but we'll get over it. We'll have a little chat. Say, the way you responded to me wasn't really the best way. Why? Why, don't we, why don't we walk out? Because we're family. We say, like, we understand that all of us are frail human beings. And in our best intentions, sometimes we hurt people that we love. But we don't walk out on our family. I know some people do. But in general, we say that's not a good thing to walk out on your family. Just because some family member has uh, hurt you. We say, no, we, we belong to family. I, I'm, I'm much better with my family. A couple of years ago, we had a, a little bit of a, a difficulty in our family. And, and some of the siblings were, you know, being the eldest one, I'm, I'm the one that's got to come and bring wisdom. You know, and I'm going like, Lord, give me some wisdom here, you know. And they're like, we're, we're siblings. We need to sort this out. You can't just say like, oh, that's it. We're not having nothing to do with them anymore. No, we're, we're siblings. We love each other. We have to work it out. Because we're family, amen. We've got to put that special effort into working it out because we're family. This is a spiritual family. Guess what? If, you, if you're in church long enough, that something's going to happen. Someone's going to say something to you that's going to hurt you and upset you. But what do we do? Don't go looking for another family. Say, stick it out because we're family. I just hit myself in the nose there. We've been called to be part of the family that is expressed and seen by being part of his church. 
The church family is a fellowship of flawed, and listen, listen to this, this is good. The church family is a fellowship of the flawed, any flawed people here? I'm, 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 I'm not flawed at all. I was looking at myself in the mirror this morning, oh, what a fine specimen you are. And then I woke up, it was a dream. Who knows, who knows your flaws? You know them better than anyone else. True? So if we're honest, we say we're all flawed in some way. Amen. We say things and we, you know, they hurt people. We, we, we say things that we promise to do. We don't keep our promises. We, you know, we believe sometimes the worst in people. We're flawed people. We are flawed. But that's a church family. A church family is a fellowship of flawed called to carry out God's purpose. That's the amazing thing. We're all flawed to some degree in some way. And that's the uniqueness of what Jesus did when he equipped these 12 disciples. He knew the flaw of every single one of them. And yet, the whole future of the church rested upon their shoulders. It wasn't because they were more brilliant. It wasn't because, you know, uh, they were more uh, educated or because somehow they had something special. The only thing they had is they'd been with Jesus and they were full of the Holy Spirit. They understood that they were flawed, but they were, together they said, we've been called for a mission to turn the world upside down for Jesus. And here we are, 2018 years later, talking about them. The church is a family, a fellowship of flawed called to carry out God's purpose. I want to tell you, I have to say, if God wasn't in my life, I wouldn't be in this position today. I also want to say, if the church wasn't in my world, and I wasn't in the world of the church, and wherever it is that God has brought us, I would not be in this position today. Some people think the church just takes from you. No, the church has given me more than I could ever give to it. Oh, the church takes everything. No, it doesn't. Church gives. Church sends flowers when people are sick. Church sends people to encourage you when someone's down. Church comes and prays for people when they're sick. Church steps in to say, I'll pay your bills when you can't pay your bills. What other organization does that? Every organization by government that I've gone to approach for something, some help, guess what? They say, you don't qualify. Everyone that comes into this church is qualified to receive help from the church. Oh, they just take. You know, I, I just happened to be online this week, and I was just looking at various stuff, and, and I looked at all the people that are bagging C3 movement around the world. People are like, wow, have these people ever been to C3 church? They say this church is from the pit of hell, and they believe in prosperity. They believe in this other rubbish, and they're like, well, that, that's, that's the mind. And they're Christians that are doing this stuff. I'm saying, is that helping the cause of the church? No. Do we have all the revelation, C3? No. We're just flawed people carrying out the purposes of God for our community in this day and this age based upon us and who's here. Stay connected to Jesus. Stay connected to the church. Now, here's uh, the other thing I want to inspire you with. I don't know. I'm trying to be cool with this term, but I understand if you laugh, all right? I understand. And when I looked at the expression... Had nothing to do with church, had to do with dancing, that I don't like dancing. And the term is work it. All right, work it. All right, now, I don't want you to go anywhere. <laughs> I've already made you go there, haven't I? Work it. All right. I've got a scripture for you, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, New Living Translation. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift. God gave you when I laid my hands on you. I want you to understand that each one of us in this place have been given gifts by God. Every one of us. Some have a gift of encouragement. Some have a gift of singing. Some have a gift of administration. Some have a gift of just praying over people. Some have a gift of playing music. Some have a gift of hospitality. But we all have gifts of some sort. Some have a gift that says, doesn't matter what needs to be done, I'll do it. That's a gift. Because some people look around and go like, oh, I don't see anything that needs to be done. Some people just see it. That needs to be fixed. That needs to be done. We all have a gift given to us by God. Can I say to you this morning, 
like Paul said to Timothy, says, you know what, you're a bit reluctant, but I prayed over you, and I know that God has given you some gifts, and you're reluctant, maybe because you feel uh, threatened by others that seem to know more than you or have done stuff that is greater than what you've done, but God has given you a gift, and what you need to do is to fan into flame, work your gift out, work it. We've all been given gifts and abilities from God. Some sing, some play instruments, some are good with people, some are good at baking cakes. Thank God for all those that bake cakes. Woo! If you didn't bake the cakes and we didn't eat it, we wouldn't have to go on this fast. So thank you that you baked the cakes and we ate them and now we're on a fast. Some are great with numbers. I've met people that... I've got the tape measure and I've got my paper and my pencil and I'm adding one and three is one and three. And he goes, all right, it's four. <laughs> How do you do that, man? I've got to get my phone out and work it out now, you know. They're good with numbers. Some are great with children. Some are great doing a lot of things that others don't like. Everyone is good at something. Why not fan into flame? That's something that God has given you. Work it. And I've said this a few times. If you don't use what God has given to you, guess what? You're going to lose it. Go to the talents. The one that says, I'm just going to bury my talent. When the master came back, he buried his talent. And came, oh, well, I just knew that you were the type of master that went looking for results where you didn't put in. And, and here's your talent. He says, well, take it from him and give it to the one that really worked hard. Guess what? You'll lose it. Someone's going to fill your place. Someone's going to take your spot. And you're going to go, oh, it could, have, it could have been you, but you didn't choose to fan into flame what God had given you. You didn't work it. I love that, work it. Ephesians chapter 4. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility. Because we just got to break this concept. And people think that all the work of the ministry is done by the pastors and the leaders and the teachers. It's not biblical. Oh, we, we just love a pastor. You know, I, I was in an Italian church. They loved the Italian pastor. You know why? Because he used to go and have coffees with them all the time. And he, the pastor would come to my house and we'd have a coffee, and, and that was really cool. He came to visit me, and, and that's good. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's good. But it's not biblical, though. The role of the pastors and teachers and prophets is to equip the church, equip the saints. That's you. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work. So can I ask you a question? If evangelism, evangelism is not getting done, whose fault is it? Firstly, mine, because I haven't taught you. And if I've taught you, you're responsible. It's your fault. If people aren't being ministered to, whose, whose fault is it? It's Pastor Mario. He's on three days a week. You heard it today? He's on three days a week. And what does he do with his three days? How many people does he go and visit? Pastor used to keep a diary on how many people they visited. Uh, when we moved to Sydney, I realized Sydney was, the traffic was chaos. It was crazy. So I'm trying to visit people. And the best I could do was put three people in one day because all they lived in different areas of the city. And I'm driving in my car to get to the, and I was so frustrated going to see these people because of the traffic. Because I come from Adelaide, that there's, you know, a million stop signs, but, you know, three people in the whole town. And you can get anywhere, right, without frustration. And I come to Sydney, and there's traffic lights everywhere, and there's people everywhere. I'm thinking, do I have to keep doing this? And I had to keep a log on everybody that I went to see. I was like, I can only fit three people in. That's not the role of the pastor. It's to equip the saints. So let's fast forward a little bit. If there's something lacking in the church of things that need to be done, whose responsibility is it? It's ours. It's our responsibility. I put myself there. It's our responsibility. Their responsibility is to equip the, the God's people to do, the, to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all, uh, until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord. Wow. Test of maturity there. Measuring up to the fullness and complete standard of Christ. What you've been given by God is to build up the church and the body of Christ. And when you refuse to use it, what you have been given, guess who goes lacking? 
the body of Christ in the world. It's a bit like that you're playing a game as a kid and you don't have too many toys, but your neighbor's got a lot of good toys. And he brings them out and then something happens. You have a little bit of fight and he says, I'm picking up my toys and going home. And you're like, but he's got better toys. And, and, and you're left behind because he's taking all these good toys home. You feel like, oh, he's, got a, he's always got, he's just really nice. And that's what we do as Christians sometimes. We take up our little toy, our little gift, and go, I'm going to take it home. They don't deserve it. I'll take it home from me. I'll use it somewhere else. Well, I'll feel more appreciated. Question, what are you doing with what God has given you? And how are you serving the body of Christ with it? Finish really quickly. The third thing, so the first one was stay connected. Connected to Jesus, connected to the body. The second one, work it out. Work it. Work it. Work what God has given you. Work it. Third thing is a faith. Hebrews 11, great examples of men and women of faith. Who, who pretty much stepped into the unknown. I don't have time to read the whole passage, but just want to focus on a couple of scriptures there. It starts off, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things that we cannot see through their faith. The people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand the entire universe and then talks about Abel who brought a more acceptable offering. Abel struck me because faith, we, we tend to think faith is something that's not seen. It's, it's all within you, but it starts within you. Abel made a decision. Who told him? Nobody told him. Abel made a decision that he said, this year, when I bring sacrifice to God, I'm going to bring my best. Nobody told him that. But it was faith that was stirring inside of his heart. He says, God deserves the best. He says, I, I don't care what my brother Cain's doing or what anyone else is doing. Because Cain was bringing an offering, but he, didn't, he kept the best for himself. Abel stepped out and said, Look, I, I'm going to bring God my best. And here we are talking about it. Then it talks about Enoch. But verse 6, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. The Bible is full of dangerous men and women who would walk by faith without fear of losing their life. Their trust was in God alone. Can I, can I ask you, this year, who are you going to trust? Who, who are you going to step out and say, I don't care what's happening around me, but my faith and my trust is in God, no matter what. See, faith is seeing light where your heart, with your heart when your eyes see, all their eyes see is darkness. Faith is all about believing. You don't know how it will happen, but you know it's going to happen. Let your faith this year be bigger than your fear. And faith is taking that first step, even when you don't see the whole staircase. You see one of those staircases, it goes round and round. You, like, you can only see a little bit, you, but you've got to take the first step and keep going up and go, oh, okay, we'll keep going up. And faith is like taking that first step on a staircase that you don't know where the next step is. That's faith. Your faith can move mountains, but your doubt can create them. So my question to all of us for 2019 is this. What faith steps will you take in 2019? What faith steps are you going to take this year? I'm, I'm, I'm really believing with all my heart this year that I'm going to be taking some personal faith steps that involves me and my wife that is about us personally. 
Why? Because I'm going, God, you've laid this on my heart. And we're taking the step of faith because the outcome is going to better the people in my world and the church I belong to. Personal steps of faith. What about a step of faith to get to, to get you to reach out beyond yourself? When was the last time you took a step of faith that says, hey, this dude that I work with, there's something about him. And taking a step of faith. The step of faith may be out of work hours, invite him for a coffee somewhere. Get to know him. We took a step of faith with our neighbor a few years ago that we just started striking up a friendship. Now we, we see each other, we talk to each other, we share our hearts, we, we're thinking of doing a ministry in, in India together. I reach out, it all started from, hey, I, I, I'm going to reach out beyond myself, beyond my world. What are you doing, stepping out in faith that reaches beyond you? And here's the last one. Steps of faith that get you to give above the normal. To give above the normal. And that may be financially, that may be time, maybe resources. I'm going I'm to give up and beyond. Hey, I, I'm not just going to show up. I'm going to come with an attitude that says, hey, what can I do today? An attitude that is uplifting, an attitude that is encouraging. Up and beyond, maybe even in your workplace. Say, hey, have an attitude on Monday when you go in rather than miserable Monday. You go in and it's like, oh, how you going? Oh, wish I was home. Mondays are so bad, they actually wrote a song. Oh, I hate Mondays. Hey? Should I sing it? No, everyone's going, no, don't try. Go to work with an attitude that says, hey, what are we doing today? I had the privilege of having Monty working with me the last couple of weeks. He's only 15 years old. He gets in the truck with me. Monty, love you, mate. He gets in the truck with me. He goes, Pastor Murray, what are we doing today? What are we doing today? I thought, what? That's, and then at the end of the day, he goes, Pastor Murray, what are we doing tomorrow? What, what's happening tomorrow? I'm going like, this guy's stepping out. He, he's, he's, sowing, he, he's coming with, with a step, with a, I'm going, we're not working tomorrow. But he's got faith that somehow I'm going to work tomorrow. He's got an incredible attitude. That's a faith attitude. That's what I say. This guy is putting his 100% in. He doesn't even know what tomorrow holds. Too many times, let me see what we've got to do, and then I'll decide whether I want to show up or not. Let me see what Pastor Murray's preaching on Sunday. We've got to send all these messages on WhatsApp to encourage people. Hey, tomorrow I'm speaking about this. I'm really excited about it. And you go like, oh, another message from Pastor Murray. <laughs> Faith says, hey, I'm stepping out. I'm coming prepared. I'm going to reach beyond myself. On a Sunday morning, not worry who's going to come and say hello to you. You worry about who you're going to say hello to. Woo! That would be a difference, wouldn't it? I sat in the corner here one day. No one ever come and said hello to me. I was like, no one even cares about me. I'm sitting here on my own, and no one comes say hello to me. I sat there for a while, and I thought, get off your ass and go and say hello to a few people. Don't worry about yourself. Ever feel like that? We sit there and go, today I'm just going to see if someone's going to come and say hello to me. Faith gets you to reach out beyond yourself. Faith gets you to give above your normal. Take some personal steps of faith in 2019. Let's be upstanding. So what are the three things this morning? Let's see. We got 30 minute attention. What do we got? First one? With Jesus. Second one? Oh, yeah, you, you remember that one, eh? <laughs> and the third one? Third one? I'm going, third one? Pastor Murray doesn't know how many points he's got. He's got four fingers up. Connect with Jesus. Connect with the church body. Work it. Faith. Hopefully, I've given you some things to work on this year. Amen. You got some stuff to work on this year? Amen. I'm so looking forward to what God has for you and for this church this coming year. I'm really, really excited in the next couple of weeks. And uh, 
you know, I'm excited about Vision Sunday, excited about the different things that we're doing. We're going to give you some insight in our community outreach that we're doing this year. We've got a a leader that's going to be overseeing that, excited about what's happening with our life groups, excited about what's happening with our youth and with our uh, young adults as well. There's so many great things that are happening this year. And you know what? It's it's just going to fizzle out if we don't get involved. If you don't participate, if you don't make yourself available, I'm so looking forward to it. And uh, I'm really blessed about some of our mission initiative as well, that we're going to give you some insight about that uh, on Vision Sunday. Looking forward to what God wants to do with us in regards to building as well. I'm really excited about that. I'm, I'm so excited. My heart is full of faith and expectation that this is a good year. God is going to do some good things. He's going to set a platform for incredible 10 years ahead of us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you that you've been speaking into our hearts about specific areas that each and every one of us can address. Father, I pray for our capacity to increase. Lord, I pray that our desire for you and for your presence and your power, Father, will just hunger. Lord, as we're hungering for food, Father, we're going to be hungering for your presence, Lord God. I thank you, Father, that this is the year that each and every one of us have made a commitment. We're going to be serious, Lord God, for your things. Father, I pray this year that will be a, a year that we much more connected to Jesus, abiding in Him, Lord God, so that we can see fruitfulness. I also pray, the Father, that each and every one of us will be connected to each other because we have an understanding. We belong to each other. Father, I pray that each and every one of us that have been given a gift by You would work it into our lives, work it into our church, work it into the areas that You've given us influence, Lord God. And I pray, Father, this will be a year of faith steps that we take. We just thank You for all that You're doing. We pray for those that are up here this morning, Lord. I pray, Father, wherever they are, they would be blessed, but understand the importance of being in your house. We commit them to you. If they are sick, Father, we pray for healing right now in Jesus' name. If they're discouraged, Father, we pray right now, wherever they are, Father, a word of encouragement will come to them so they can be in your house to glorify you and give you praise for all that you've done. We just thank you in advance for all that you're going to do in 2019, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Everyone said, God bless you. Have an amazing week. Those that are still fasting, keep at it. Amen. Wednesday night prayer meeting. Love to see you here and looking forward to seeing you. Mary and I are going to be away next Sunday. We're in Perth uh, visiting family. Mary hasn't seen her brothers for over four years. So she's been sort of a little bit talking to me. I was going to say nagging. She doesn't nag. She's just talking to me to go and see her family. And so we're going to be doing that. But Michael is going to be preaching next week. And uh, I'm sure he's going to preach a mighty word. God bless you. Have a great day.